Welcome to the No Shame on You podcast, where we talk to mental health professionals, educators, and advocates. No Shame on You is a 501c3 organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. Our goal is for people who need help to seek it, for family members and friends to know how to provide proper support and to save lives. Now, here's your host, No Shame on You's founder and president, Miriam Ament. Welcome to the 19th podcast of No Shame on You, an organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. My name is Miriam Ament, and I am the founder and executive director of No Shame on You. Today, we are joined by Bonnie Lane, the principal consultant of the Family Support Services. Hi, Bonnie. So excited to have you on our podcast. Thank you for having me, Miriam. It's my pleasure. It's, it's awesome to have you here. So first, I just want to ask you in general, how are you doing during these remarkable times in our world? Wow. <laughs> well, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> thankfully, my family and I are doing well. We, I am working with a lot of families who are directly impacted by the pandemic. Um, we can talk about that if you want to. But um, I am very fortunate that it has not yet and hopefully never will uh, hit my family directly. Got it. Okay. Well, well. Thankfully, hopefully, that'll things will stay that way. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to work in the mental health world. Okay. So, um, out of college, I kind of flailed. I went to law school, and I didn't know that. I did. I went to law school and I was had a revolving door program. Um, I was in for a year. I was out for a semester. I was back in. And all the while I was working in different legal branches and I volunteered for United Charities of America Legal Aid. And every time a client would come in, I would expect the attorneys to be able to address and fix the problem. And I was finally sat down by the supervisor and said, you're in the wrong field. Law is black and white, and you are very gray. And you should be a social worker. You should be a therapist. You should be out doing direct service. And I went, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And so I um, left law school. I did get, after that, a master's in special education. And then I had my children. And while I, my children were in their early years of school, I did a lot of volunteer work for the school district. And I did a lot of social service volunteer work. And it was things that made me feel really good. So by the time my kids were in middle school and I realized I now have to plan the rest of my life, I had kids early and I have a long time to go, I thought that what I wanted to do was exactly what I'd been recommended to do. And I went and I got a master's in developmental psychology, thinking that would blend very well with my special ed master's. And while I was at National Lewis, they started a program during my very last year of counseling psychology. And I went and talked to my advisor and said, hey, what can I do to get that master's too? And they said, well, stay an extra year and do a thousand hours of internship. And I went, yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) So I stayed and I graduated with a double master's in developmental and counseling psychology and um, went right to work. I worked in um, uh, C4 in the city 
Sure. Community Counseling Centers of Chicago. I worked there for a year and then a year and a half maybe. And then I decided I wanted to be closer to home. And I took a position at Youth Services of Glenview and Northbrook near my community. And I worked there for seven years. Nice. I did all the adult counseling because they really only had adolescent youth workers who were fresh, young faces. And whenever a parent needed assistance, I was older. I had already had my kids. So I was assigned to the parents and the parent groups. And I ran support groups for parents of uh, kids that suffered from schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And after seven years of running that support group, my own son came home from the University of Wisconsin at Madison in the middle of his first psychotic episode. Wow. So I knew, I thought I knew everything I needed to know, and I needed huge support to get through it emotionally, intellectually, informatively. I didn't have all the information I thought and started um, volunteering to help other families that were doing this while I still worked in the mental health field. I did take off a couple of years from really um, personal care, and I ran uh, Project Chesed for the JCCs for a year, which was their answer to social service. I ran a couple of youth agencies as the executive director. I even went back to Thresholds and um, ran their young adult program. Wow. So a couple of group homes. So I really did do a lot of things in mental health, but I kept getting pulled back to helping these families that had late onset mental illness um, appearances in their children. Um, As we know, the most common age for mental health problems to occur is between 18 and 25. And that means you're done with high school and your supports have disappeared. Right. So I knew that that was a niche that nobody was touching. And nobody that goes to grad school says, when I get out, I want to be a full-time case manager, except me. (laughs) So I knew that there was a niche that needed to be filled. And that's how I got into it. It was a combination of experience and life happens. Right. Like personal and professional experience. So then is that what uh, propelled you to start Family Support Services? And can you tell us about all of the uh, things? So Family Support Services has been around for about 10 years, but not full time. Um, uh, In the middle of that, circumstances in my own personal life changed, and I needed to get a job that gave me insurance. So that was... I could no longer just do family support services because it was private and I have always charged a very reasonable rate. Right. Um, So I needed to take a job and that was when I went back to thresholds. And then I spent a while at the Chicago or technical Institute as their director of outreach and marketing. And then, you know, well, we all know what happened to the Chicago or school. So it left and that meant I needed to either find another job or go back to what my passion and love is. And I decided this was the time in my life to devote myself to my passion and that's helping families. So I work with families whose loved ones are 18 and older, up to about 60, 65. Um, And I do transition planning, discharge planning, resource referrals, advocacy, in post-secondary and education and employment, and basically anything else you can think of. 
If some, if a family needs help and they need support to navigate the system, I will provide them with wraparound services. That's amazing. And how do people come to you? How do how do people find out about you? And what's your initial? Do you would do an initial consultation to find out what the needs are? How does that work? Well, I don't advertise. Um, I've never. Mar- I don't know how. I've never done much marketing. Um, I do have a Facebook page. I do have a website. Um, but other than that, I'm in a few networking groups and psychologists, social workers, psychiatrists, therapists, and discharged social workers in hospitals all refer to me. Great. So that's how people find me. A lot of friends, people, you know, friends of friends of friends of friends. People will call me and tell me so-and-so recommended that I call you, but I don't know who so-and-so is. <laughs> um, Can help so many people. Yeah, I've had calls from as far away as California and and New Jersey and Michigan. So I have been able to help as long as the family member, the identified family member, is living in Illinois. I am helping families all over the country. Um, I also have relationships with organizations all over the country so if somebody calls me and I don't really know what they need I do have a lot of refer you know connections and relationships where I can call people in other states and cities and find out what best would serve them and that's how I do my um, post-secondary boot camp for students that want to go away to college but have mental health issues so Wait, I tell us about your po- I don't think I know about your post-secondary boot camp. I do something called post-secondary boot camp, which looks very different this year. It's for rising freshmen who um, have had mild to moderate mental health issues throughout their life. They may suffer from dysthymia, which is mild depression, test anxiety, um, anxiety in social situations. And they're going away to college where all of a sudden their supports are not going to be with them. I'm not a big proponent of finding a therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist through the university or college that you attend because most of them are interns and you'll have to retell your story every three months as they transition out of that position and somebody new comes in to take it. So I help families find uh, permanent supportive resources wherever their child is going away to college. I also make sure that all the releases are signed. So if somebody gets sick while away at university or college, um, that they have um, all the releases are signed so that the people that work at the school, even the RA in your dorm, has the approval to contact the family and you are not left without resources if you can't get them on your own. That's amazing. A question, is this only for students who are going to college in Illinois, or do you help people find, so you'll help help people find support at whatever college they're going to throughout uh, America? Right. Now, I do work with some college planners, some people that work with special needs kids, too, and if mental health is one of their special needs, then I'll, I'll be called in to help find psychiatrists, social workers, therapists, uh, to help them. And yeah, it doesn't matter where it is. There are organizations like NAMI all over the country, and I make sure that they are linked to an appropriate 
resource that will accept their insurance. That's great. Oh, that's amazing. I knew, I know you do so many amazing things and we've really gotten to know each other over the last couple of years. But like, this is like, I, I, every time I talk to you, I learn something new. That's really, cause I have friends who I know their kids going to college that that was one of their big concerns is that their kids have a support network. And, and you know, if you don't do it in advance, right. Kids are, once they become symptomatic, they are not going to reach out to the parents for help. They're embarrassed. A lot of times they self-medicate with substance. They stop attending classes. If the school is not aware, they can flunk them out unnecessarily. Right. So you need to know that your child is going to be surrounded by safety when you're sending them away. Now it's a little different, but I still work with post-secondary schools, even in the, uh, around here, or if students are going virtually. I had one student who suffered from severe um, social anxiety as part of his schizoaffective diagnosis, and he could not do any public speaking. Well, all of us that have gone to college know that freshman year, you take your communications class, your speech class, and you have to give a speech in front of your classroom. Right. Well, these kids, this young man couldn't do it. So I went to the accommodations department of the school he was attending and worked it out that he could do his speech just for his advisor in her office with a family member or support person present so that he would have that buck him up, I'm here for you feeling, and he wouldn't have to speak in a big group. So some schools are great and a lot of schools are willing to help. Mental health accommodations are so different than special ed and schools really only know special ed. Extended test time or a private room isn't gonna help somebody with a mental health issue. It's going to help somebody with ADD or a different kind of learning disability. And we have to be there to make sure that everyone has an equal opportunity to be successful post-secondary education. You're absolutely right. That's amazing. Um, thank you for, you're so knowledgeable about so many things. Um, so these are all great, important things for people to know. Uh, since, <clears throat> since COVID, I'm wondering, what are some of the main issues you're seeing with people who are approaching you uh, through family support services? Well, there's been a lot more hospitalizations um, and families can't visit their family member that's in a psychiatric hospital. You know, the anxiety that the average person without mental health issues feels during this time is definitely exacerbated than what we would have felt a year ago, August in our daily life. Right. You compound that with somebody that already is suffering from a mental health problem, be it severe depression or bipolar or schizophrenia um, or any kind of a psychotic illness, they become terrified. They're afraid to go outside. There's a, whole, there's a lot more agoraphobia, which is people that are afraid to leave the house. Right. Um, and a lot of family members made the decision, and it was a good one, to bring that family member home to live with them instead of to have them shelter in place independently. The problem is after a few weeks of this, that family member may not be able to stay at home. They're, they, they're not used to having somebody on top of them questioning, are you eating? Are you sleeping? Did you take right. your meds? You know, let's do something. Let's watch a movie. That can be too much. And the condition has been 
got has, has gotten worse so that there have been more and more hospitalizations there have been a lot more people who have eloped which is the mental health word for runaway even oh. adults so adults you know 18 20 25 who are sheltering in place at their parents home have disappeared to go find substances or cigarettes and they are now making their whole family unsafe because they're not taking proper precautions so i will get phone calls saying that people need their family member to be put in um some kind of a mental health facility because they cannot keep them safe and their family member needs to be have somebody there to provide structure during the day, which we're all desperately missing right. to, to um, take on the responsibility of making sure that three meals a day are offered and that medication is given at the right time and must be given. And that a psychiatrist and therapist that they will be able to continue to have sessions with these people to address their changing mental health situation. And so there are facilities in Illinois and throughout the country that do provide that resource. And so we, I help people find that. I also help people that are dealing with not having their family member with them because they're in one of these facilities, a senior parent, a sibling, an adult child that they can't see the way they wanted to. And you, and so it's a painful situation for everyone on both sides of that situation. Right. And you actually worked with us a couple months ago to lead a, a series of support groups for families who had a family member in a residential facility and because of COVID couldn't see them. And you did a great job uh, with us for that. So, but the breadth, the breadth of your work is just amazing. And the, the things you're seeing, it's, it's interesting that I, that I didn't, the fact that people can come home and the parents want to protect them and then it ends up sort of having a reverse effect where you know that that's really tough um, especially if the the young adults that come home or the middle-aged adults that come home are not used to having somebody there all the time monitoring right. their behaviors you know a lot of people with mental health do a lot of time sleeping with mental health issues, they sleep a lot, especially if you're depressed. Right, for sure. Um, well, parents may not be aware that your 30-something-year-old child has been sleeping eight hours a day normally, but now that it's in their face, they want to fix it. Right. And, you know, we are not, as family members of somebody with a mental health issue, actually the best person to fix our own kid. And maybe this is not fixable. Maybe this is just something we need to accept. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to come around to, I would imagine. Yeah, I've had many parents of, I mean, uh, siblings of adults in their 50s who have called me and said they want me to fix their sibling. And most of our conversation is surrounding how they need to accept their sibling and there is no fixing to be done. This is who your sibling is. And just because you were unaware of it doesn't mean that it needs to be addressed. Right. And you're, so you're drawing on your counseling degree. You're drawing on so, so much of your background and that kind of a conversation to help 
people do the sort of mental shift of, oh, wait, it's not that they need fixing. It's that I need to adjust how I approach this. Right. And accept. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I don't, as part of my business, I don't do therapy, but you know, supportive counseling is always involved. Right. No, I understand. It's not direct, but I'm saying it, the fact that you're, you're, you have to draw on that. I mean, it really Absolutely. helps you to have that background. Um, as you approach some of these conversations, because they're tough conversations to have with family members. And um, sometimes I lose clients from that. Because they don't want to hear it? Well, they called me with a purpose, fix. And they are not happy when I tell them that this is not a fixable problem. And when I ask them questions, well, tell me what medications your family member is on, what treatments they've had, what interventions. A lot of times they don't know because parents do such a good job of protecting siblings that when the parents are no longer able to take care of their adult child because they themselves are older or pass away, um, the person that's left responsible does not know what they're supposed to do. So I can, you know, mental illness is a family disease and I encourage as many members that are going to be around to be part of the plan, be right. part of the program. You led an incredible workshop for us uh, as we, we collaborated with NAMI uh, CCNS on that. You led an incredible workshop um, on that and talking about preparing the family and preparing a, a sibling to understand. Yes, I call it the job you never applied for. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You, you impact and help so many people with the great uh, guidance you give on all of these really important and... You're you know, too kind. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, what are there other... We have to talk about other workshops offline about that we should work on together, but are there other things you have coming up in addition to... And I first want to ask, you know, where can people find... Uh, what's the website for Family Support Services? You know, how can they reach you? And do you have any workshops you're leading coming up or, you know, any support groups like we've done in the past or, and I know we have to plan some, but if you're doing any uh, on your own, you know, please tell our listeners. Well, I have noticed that, I mean, I'm busy. I'm still busy, but I have noticed that people are doing a lot of camping and traveling and trying to get, you know, some summer in now. Right. So I've noticed that, you know, I'll, I've gotten two emails from a family and just now the second email was, I'm going camping. We'll talk about my mother when I get back in September. And I'm like, right. yeah, everybody needs to take some time off and try to enjoy the summer the best they can. So sure. I'm not doing any workshops right now or groups only because I don't know how many people are interested in focusing on this now. I want people to really try to enjoy their summer. Right. It's really important. We all need a break. We all need to be able to, to say this is a very unusual summer, but it's still the only summer we've got. <laughs> right. Before fall sets in and winter, I think everybody should enjoy the fresh air. It's good for your mental health and try to just support your loved ones. And I am always there to avail available. I can be reached at www.thefamilysupportservices.com or you can call me at 847-651-1554. 847-651-1554. 
That's the social worker in me. I always repeat my number twice. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and, and I just want to um, underscore what you said earlier, that you help people from around the country as long as they have a, they're helping a family member who lives in Illinois. And in addition, you help people who might have a family member going to any college uh, around the country. So right. um, not to have your phone ringing off the hook, but I just think it's important for people to understand that you, how much you provide uh, for so many. Yes, and a lot of people um, have moved away, you know, but they have left a sibling, a parent, an adult child. Families have moved to Florida or Phoenix, and all of a sudden their adult child at, in their 40s or 50s or has had a mental health crisis and they can't get to them, I will step in and be a surrogate for them to make sure that the resources are taken care of. I'll work with the hospitals to do discharge planning. I'll find them day programs. I'll find them virtual day programs, which is now what they are hosting. A number of hospitals are offering virtual IOP and PHP, which is intensive outpatient or partial hospitalization programs on Zoom. And I think that sometimes these are working better than the in-person ones because people are comfortable in their home and are not as uncomfortable being with other people who are struggling with the same issues. It's easier to focus on yourself when you're by yourself. And then right. you can see people at another time. So there are still plenty of programs available. There are still housing opportunities available depending on your finances and your insurance. There are... Um, new uh, financially subsidized housing programs opening up probably one or two a year that I can help people get on waiting lists for their family member for. So there's all different opportunities. Um, Illinois may not be the best, but I can help them find the best of what we have. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. That's, that's truly wonderful and inspiring what you do for so many people. Um, it, as we close, is there anything else you want to share uh, that we haven't already discussed? Um, just that it's important to not let time go. If you see that a family member is struggling, feel free to call. I give a 30-minute free consultation. So if you just want to pick my brain for 30 minutes to see if I can actually help you, please don't hesitate to call. If I can, I will. If I can't, maybe I know somebody that can. And right. I'm more than happy to give you a referral so that you can get the resources you need. So I always do a 30-minute free consultation so that people don't feel that the clock starts when they make a phone call. It doesn't. Right. If it goes to 45 minutes, it's okay, too. You're I, just want, I just want people to know that there is help out there. There is support out there. And I'm here for them. Right. And I just want to tell our listeners, Bonnie is the most genuine person you will meet. And I've come to really get to know her over the last couple of years. And she really means it when she says she's not counting the minutes and, and she just wants to help. So um, you, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's really uh, from the heart. She's really an amazing person. So um, I just wanted to underscore that because, because it's, it sounds like too good to be true, but it's really true. Like you are really genuinely so wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so happy. I'm so happy we were finally able to do this. I know we've been trying to do it for a little bit, so I'm glad we were able to do it. And, uh, and um, you know, everyone, like uh, Bonnie said, you can reach her at, at thefamilysupportservices.com the or on her cell. 
And, uh, you know, thank you so much for listening today. And thank you so much thank for joining me. Thank you, Miriam, for having me. I appreciate it. And everybody stay safe. Yes, everyone stay safe and stay well. Thank you. Thank you.